Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Praise God. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm just so thankful that we can trust in God. We have a Savior that we can always trust in. We sung about it today. And it's just so comforting that knowing whatever problem we face, whatever situation is in our life, that God is there for us and that he cares for us. And I think sometimes we don't always trust in God and we don't always give him all of our trust. You know, we focus on our problem, we focus on our situation, and instead of just surrendering it to God. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll be getting into some of that this morning, but um, how, how is everybody doing in Life Spring? Doing good? Awesome, awesome. How's everyone? Start of the new year as we close this month out. Doing good? 2018's awesome? Yeah? <laughs> All right. Did anybody set any New Year's resolutions? None. You guys, we got one. We got one. I was going to say you guys all gave up on that or something. <laughs> That's good. But the real question really is, are you, still, uh, are you still on track for that New Year's resolution? Yeah? All right, all right, all right. The New Year is a great opportunity for new goals and, and visions for what God wants to do through you personally and through you spiritually. And so I try to set up goals. Normally I don't succeed always as much as I'd want to, but the actual facts is that 92% of people who set New Year's resolutions never actually achieve them. 92%. So if you're in the elite 8% like Dan over here, well, <laughs> um, then you uh, got some, something going for you there. <laughs> I know, it's only January, Dan. You got a long way to go. <laughs> she said, let's give him another month. I'm not trying to discourage you in any way, but... We're going to talk about that for a little while this morning. We're going to dig into the Word of God and find out how He can help us achieve what we may think is impossible. And that could be the reason why some of you do not even set New Year's, New Year's resolutions or New Year's goals because you are already afraid of failing or you do not think that it will happen anyway. But this morning I want to focus on being renewed and, and the need for renewal in our lives. Amen. Psalms 51 verses 10 through 12 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Amen. Lord, renew a right spirit within me. I want to preach to you this morning on the need for renewal. The need for renewal. 
Lord, I pray that you would teach us with your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help us to renew ourselves daily so that we are prepared for the revival that you want to bring to this church, Lord God. I pray that you would cleanse our hearts, that you would make us new, and that we would put our trust back in you, Lord Jesus. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen, amen. So many of us have lost the principle or the the truth in God's word when it comes to renewal. And so when we go through life, we notice that things, they wear out, right? Everything seems to wear out. Our houses, maybe a pair of your favorite jeans, maybe you've got, you know, that favorite pair of jeans, I I know I have. And you love them, and you, so you wear them, and they fit perfectly one day, and all of a sudden, they, they start to wear out, and uh, you got holes in them, and then you're asking the Lord if it's okay if you wear them to church, and you're making excuses, but they're holy, Lord. <laughs> but uh, I, I know I used to do that, especially when I was in youth class, but... Uh, Maybe ladies, I know my sisters used to do this with like a pair of heels and they would get out the magic marker and they would uh, rub it out and, and then they would, you know, rub out the scratches and the scuffs and uh, just so they could get a couple more months use out of them. Or maybe you've got an old rundown car. I know I had a car a while back. Pastor remembers this one. <laughs> it was... Uh, 1997 Mitsubishi Galant. Woo woo. So uh, it was black. I tried to make it cool, but uh, I was on uh, that budget, so <laughs> that college budget, and so I changed like some of the shifter, the shifter, and I put like seat covers, and you know, I I tried to do my best, but like I said, I was on the budget, <laughs> and it was a piece of junk. So on one occasion, I was. Uh, I was driving my date home <clears throat> from uh, a date, and uh, we were driving like 65 down the freeway, and, and there was some construction, and so the freeway narrowed down to uh, like two lanes, and then there was concrete barriers on each side, and there was, so there was no shoulders or anything. And uh, so there was a car in front of me, and I was probably driving a little too close to them. There was a car right directly behind me, and there was a car right on my right, and on my left side, there was the wall, and all of a sudden, a deer jumps out right in front of the car in front of me, and so the car in front of me swerved into the other lane because there was nobody next to him, but he clipped his, the deer's rear end and laid it out right in, front of my, right in front of me, and I had nowhere to go, and so, vroom. I went airborne. <laughs> and uh, my rip, my, I ripped my muffler completely off. <laughs> and so now I had a loud piece of junk. <laughs> and I didn't want to spend more money on it, and so I got it you know, fixed real cheap until one day I was driving 70 or so on the freeway, and I was back in the fast lane, and, and one of my ball joints just snapped. <laughs> and so my tire dropped into the wheel well, and it was like, facing the other traffic so I had to like manhandle my steering wheel to get me into the shoulder and I just came to like a screeching halt anyways that was the end of of uh, the life of that vehicle but I literally just drove that into the ground and uh, I drove it until there was nothing left and I feel that that's how so many of us can treat our spiritual life 
We run it into the ground and we don't renew, we don't refresh, and we just go hard and we go fast and we don't realize that often we are exhausted, we are overwhelmed, and we are, we are just spiritually inconsistent. And we've driven our spiritual life into the ground because we are not being renewed in Christ. And now, when it comes to material things, we can replace them, right? My, my jeans I can replace, my car I can replace, but when it comes to living things, we cannot replace them. You can't replace your kids. We may think about it, but uh, we can't. <laughs> and so we've got our kids forever, so what do we do about living things like relationships? God wants to renew relationships. God wants to continue to renew your relationship with him. And, and maybe today you walked into church and you're a little spiritually inconsistent. And you know you're kind of, you're kind of hot and you're kind of cold. And you, you may have started the year off right reading your Bible and fasting and, and praying. And, and the next minute you're not real spiritually consistent. Not really on your game. And I know that Reese... Uh, had brought it up a couple weeks ago, that Brother Stone King, who said, consistency is the number one way to be used by God. And if we are not being consistently renewed by God, then we will have a real hard time not only being used by God, but also living for God and having a relationship with our Creator. Amen? What about being just a little worn out? You're just, you're just tired. You're you're, you're physically run down. You just need a break. Is there anybody out there? Your strength is, is just not at its peak where it's been. And Well, today there's, there's a verse in Colossians 3, verses 10, and it really sums up what it, we're talking about today, and it says, put on your new nature. And be what? And be renewed. Be renewed, and as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And that is the goal of life, that we would become like him. That we would be put on the new nature, that we would be renewed, that we would become like him. The Greek word for renew means to make like new. It means to give new strength, and it means to refresh. Listen to these words, renovate, rejuvenate to restart. It's, it's this life source. It's renewal. And what's interesting is we see renewal everywhere in our life. Our body, it sleeps at night. We give it some sleep, and it's refreshed in the morning. We see renewal as day turns into night. We see renewal in the seasons, how we can go into this cold winter, and then spring comes. There's renewal in nature. Is anybody thankful for renewal? Amen. Jesus himself withdrew to be refreshed when he was on earth. God, the almighty creator of the universe, rested on the seventh day. And so renewal is all around us. But sometimes we forget that we also need it. And we've forgotten how to be renewed. Maybe it's our culture that we live in, and maybe we've got so much going on, we're so busy, we, we've lost the truth of renewal. And, and to put on the new nature is what Colossians says. To put on means to sink into clothing. It means to clothe oneself. What a beautiful picture of being renewed. It says to put it on. Yet so often, 
I think as Christians, we're desperate and we're running around just in survival mode like, it, like, like life is coming at us and, and we've got problems and we've got issues and we're just in survival mode. And we're reacting to life rather than being proactive. We're desperate and we're delusioned. And we don't know where to turn and we haven't learned the art of clothing ourselves and we haven't learned the art of putting on our new nature. It's something as Christians we do every day where we say, God, I'm, I'm a new creation. God, you've bought me with a price. I am yours. God, help me. I surrender my life. God, I'm yours. Guide me and direct me. God, help me. I put on your nature. I want to be like you. And it's almost like a firefighter or a police officer. When they put on their uniform, there's this confidence that comes uh, with the security um, from wearing that uniform. And, and that's what happens when we step into who we are in Christ. There's this confidence, there's this faith, there's this boldness that comes as we renew ourselves. But renewal can only occur when we stay connected to the life source. Let me say that again. Renewal can only occur when we are connected to the life source. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So if we are connected to the vine, we will, if we are not connected to the vine, we will spiritually die. And we will not be able to do anything for him. And so this is what the enemy wants to do. It is to disconnect us from this life source. And unfortunately, we always let it happen. We get busy and we get distracted and we get so busy and caught up in life and we lose sight of being renewed day by day with the life source. And so today I want to talk to us about renewal and how we renew. What does renewing look like and what will God renew in you? God will renew your spirit and, and we may be spiritually inconsistent, but today we are going to dig into the word of God and, and God will renew you today. Amen. Do you believe God for some renewal? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Spiritual renewal is often associated with the present concept of revival. It was in the 19th century that Cotton Mather first used the word to describe a great awakening in the early Americas. The word derives from the Latin revivere, to live again. The concept is closest to the Old Testament idea of renewal or restoration, found especially in the work of leaders such as Hezekiah or Josiah. The story of King Josiah is probably the best illustration of revival in the Old Testament. Judah had fallen away from God, <clears throat> serving almost only the idols of surrounding uh, cultures. And when the Pentateuch is rediscovered, Josiah immediately calls the people back to this covenant. But revival was possible <clears throat> because the lines were so clear. <clears throat> Judah had a past relationship with God that it could return to <clears throat> with spiritual and political reforms. In place to restore their relationship with God, they were able to rebuild <clears throat> what had decayed. America desperately needs a spiritual renewal or revival. 
we need to get back to what the Bible says. Wisconsin needs revival. Brookfield needs revival, and LifeSpring needs revival. But the only way that will happen is if we ourselves have personal revival in our lives. Pastor's already been talking about it. This year's theme is Awaken, because revival leads to an awakening. Revival is not man-made. It is God's gift to the church. And true revival in the church will only happen when we have a personal revival in our hearts. Amen. You see, we're all for revival out there. But when it comes too close to home, then we begin to get a little bit nervous. Because revival implies that the thing needing revival isn't really healthy. I need to be revived right now, so. (laughs) Revival, um, notice that like a paramedic and nurses, they don't revive someone just walking down the street in good, in good health. Only when something is not right and there are problems does someone need reviving. <clears throat> and so revival also implies change. And that threatens us because even if we're not doing real well spiritually, we tend to get comfortable with the predictable. But I suggest that we all are in constant need of continuing spiritual renewal. Every day, the world, our flesh, and the devil seek to pull us back into a spiritual lethargy that chokes the new life we received through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, like Titus talks about. Like silver exposed to the elements, we grow tarnished and dull spiritually. And thus we constantly need renewal or revival. No one can plan or program true revival because it is a sovereign act of God. We can hang a sign in the front of the church proclaiming revival this week, but that doesn't mean it will happen. It is only from a work of God, but at the same time, there are conditions that we can meet as his people So that if he should choose to move in a mighty way, his power would not be hindered. There are essential factors that if we want to walk in newness of life with our Lord, we can see three important factors of spiritual renewal in the revival that happened under King Hezekiah. The reign of Hezekiah, some 70 years earlier, is one example that Josiah was likely aware of. Through Hezekiah's devout commitment to God, a legacy of devotion was passed to the next generation. And jumping seven uh, seven centuries forward to the empowering of the church in in Acts 2, we see the ultimate spiritual renewal. As a nation, Israel was proven guilty by their treatment of the Messiah, but his death became their atonement for their sin. A concept Jews would have readily understood, given their traditional of sacrificing animals. 
The fact that God raised Jesus from the dead is where the pivotal point from which Jews are called to return to God so that the spiritually seen in Hezekiah's day might be realized once again. The first factor of spiritual renewal comes through commitment to the Lord. To understand the story of King Hezekiah, you have to remember the bad spiritual situation in Judah under the wicked king of his father, Ahaz, who reigned before him. He began by introducing idol worship alongside the worship of God and ended by closing the doors of the temple, sacrificing the gods of Damascus and establishing centers of idol worship in every Judean town. Now, because of Ahaz's betrayal, the Lord stirred up enemies against him from every side. The Philistines were invading from the west. The Edomites were taking territory to the east. But the biggest threat was the north, where Ahaz had tried to buy the friendship of Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria. I I might have missed that that one up, but uh, that held him at a distance long enough for him to polish off the northern kingdom of Israel and their neighbor to the north, Syria. But feeding the monsters only made him stronger. And now he was threatening Judah. The Assyrian army was known for its brutality and, and awesome power. They overran Judah. Thousands would be slaughtered. Families would be torn apart. People would be hauled into captivity as slaves, and the worship of God's people had ceased. And it was just, it would become just a thing of the past. Just think if you were Hezekiah taking the leadership of a nation under those conditions, what would be your first priority? In the light of this desperate historical setting, the words, in 2 Chronicles 29.3, take on a, a heightened significance. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and he repaired them. Then he calls the priests and Levites and charges, charges them to consecrate themselves first in the, Lord, in the Lord's house second. And said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves. And sanctify the house of the Lord, God of your fathers, and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. So to reverse the awful conditions introduced by his father, he shares with them what is in his heart. Namely, to make a covenant with the Lord God. And he and repeats his charge to them, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to minister to him. Hezekiah's first priority in the face of a national crisis was to call on the Lord. And to put his leaders back to the proper commitment to God. And we can learn several things from his example. When you face a crisis, the natural human response is to focus on the crisis, the problem, right? If you're a king facing a military threat, the thing to do is to strengthen your army. 
If you face a health crisis, the first thing to do is to get medical attention. If, you, if you've lost your job, your first priority is to focus on finding a new job. If your marriage is in trouble, then you focus on your marriage. If your teenager is rebellious, you focus on dealing with your teenager. But don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we should ignore those problems. They demand our attention and we would be negligent not to attend to them. But I am arguing that Hezekiah's example shows us that the most pressing need in a time of need is to renew our commitment to the Lord. Only after that, only after that we have done, we are free to seek his mind on how to deal with the pressing problem. Often the very reason God sends the problem is to get us to stop and to get our priorities back in line. Once we've done that, he often deals with the problem in ways that we never could have have. Even if we had put all of our effort and put sleepless nights into solving it, we never could have done it the way God could have. And Hezekiah could have looked around and thought, things are looking hopeless. My father shut down the temple. Idolatry is rampant. He lost a lot of our territory to other nations, and we're under the thumb of Tiglath-Pileser. Why, why should we even try? He could have grown very depressed and, and have been paralyzed into doing nothing, but instead he committed himself to follow the Lord. He rallied the priests to reopen the temple for worship. He first and foremost called the nation back to God. And as soon as God breaks into any situation, the darkness has to flee by the light of his presence. Amen? It has to apply to our nation. At the, it, it does apply to our nation at this time. We see sin abounding. People are flaunting their sinful acts. Religious liberties are being taken from us. And the Judeo-Christian base, which used un, to underlie our illegal and political systems has been eroded. Even the Christian church seems anemic and polluted with sin from the leadership level on down. But if we, as God's people, will commit ourselves fully to him, there is hope. And if God will break into the church and nation with his light, there is no limit to what can happen. If our God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. But this also applies to us personally. Perhaps you are in a hopeless, discouraging situation. You've given every ounce of your effort to try to deal with it, all to no solution. But can you think of any problem that is too big for our God? If God breaks through into your situation, there is hope. And the main thing is that we renew our commitment to him. Amen? Amen. 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 Commitment to God will always involve a radical commitment to his word. And by a radical commitment to God's word, I mean a commitment that goes against tradition and, and current customs. If need be, that goes against the way we were raised. If need be, and goes back to complete obedience to what God's word teaches about how we are to live. Understanding the foundations of Hezekiah's reforms is an understanding of what the law of Moses prescribed and a commi commitment 
to follow that completely. He knew what was clean and he knew what was unclean. He knew what the proper incense offering and burnt offerings were that had been neglected. He had gained this understanding from God's word. Spiritual renewal is always centered on our renewal of the authority of God's word. Amen. Again, we can only understand how radical this, this was for Hezekiah if we remember his background and the spiritual climate that he had to grow up in. His father was an abusive, self-centered man who had burned some of Hezekiah's brothers to death by offering them to the pagan gods. Ahaz had set up idol worship throughout the whole country. Hezekiah easily could have been rebellious. He could have been an angry man and mad at God, mad at his abusive father, just going with the evil of the current day. But what I'm getting at is he didn't drift into the direction that he took. He had to make a commitment to go against the evil ways of his father and to follow God's word, even when it was the opposite direction of the evil customs being practiced in his own home. A radical commitment to God's word means that even if you, are, if you had an angry, abusive, self-centered parents, you confront your own anger and abusiveness and self-centeredness so that it does not continue in your family. Even through your parents, even if they worship gods of their own making, whether money or pleasure, you worship the living God in accordance with the word of truth. Commitment puts God's word into life by obeying it when it confronts the way that we live. Spiritual renewal always comes through renewed commitments to God and his word. Amen. The second element in spiritual renewal is cleansing. Renewal always starts with the person and moves outward to the church. Um, and Second Chronicle, Chronicles 29.5 says, Consecrate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord. Many of these priests had fallen into their unfaithfulness and idolatry, and so they had to deal with their own sin before they begin the process of cleansing the temple. God cannot use you to impact others for Christ until you cleanse yourself from the defilement and sin. These priests had a lot of crud to deal with. It took them 16 days to haul out all of the idols and other junk from the temple. But thank God, if we are willing to clean up our lives, even if it takes a while to shovel it all out, he will restore us and use us again for his purpose. Amen? In Hezekiah's revival, as soon as the temple was cleansed, they gathered in worship, and they offered three kinds of sacrifices, sin offerings, burn offerings, and thank offerings. And these three offerings typify the kind of cleansing and consecration that we need as worshipers of God. The burnt offerings pictured consecration. It was offered up totally to the Lord. The worship did not uh, the worshiper did not eat any of it and 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 it represented the surrender and holiness demanded of those who have received God's forgiveness. Our response to his mercy in becoming our sin offering should be to give ourselves completely to him. 
Romans 12.1 says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. The thank offerings pictured devotion. And these were voluntary offerings expressing love and gratitude for God's many blessings. And the author to the Hebrews refers to this when he writes in Hebrews 13, 15 through 16, through Christ, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of, of lips that gives thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing for, what, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Christians are to be overflowing in thankfulness, like Colossians 2 verses 7 says, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And then the burnt offerings and thank offerings move into the third area of renewal, which is corporate worship or celebration. But the point is, we cannot experience spiritual renewal, whether individually or corporately, unless we appropriate God's cleansing through the blood of Christ. Confessing our sins and cleaning the offensive, idolatrous crud out of our lives, just as they cleanse themselves in God's temple back in Hezekiah's day. Celebration results from knowing that your sins are forgiven. When burnt offerings began... The song to the Lord also began with the trumpets. In 2 Chronicles 29, 27, they had quite a celebration with cymbals and harps and trumpets and singing. They were joyous, but they were also reverent. We read verse 30 in the same chapter that they bowed down and worshipped. They had a sense of awe in the presence of God by bowing down. They showed their submission to him. And so Hezekiah invited the consecrated people in verse 31, come near and bring sacrifices and thank offerings to the house of the Lord. The expression is used in the book of Hebrews when we are invited to draw near through the blood of Christ as we assemble together. We don't gather here on Sundays to run through an entertaining program. We gather to meet with the Lord himself, to come near to him. And so our worship celebration should be both joyful and reverent in his presence. Amen? And sometimes people come to church and they leave mumbling and I didn't get anything out of that. But that's not the point. Did the Lord get anything out of you? Did you come to draw near and offer to the Lord a joyous, reverent thank offering because of his grace shown to you through the blood of Christ? Amen. I love verse 36 because it says, Then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced over what um, God had prepared for the people because the thing came about suddenly and God prepared it. 
He is the sovereign cause of revival, but it happened suddenly. There was a joyous surprise to the whole thing. The birth of our Savior had been prepared from ages past, and yet suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. In Acts 2, verse 2, we, we read that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And yet, Acts 2, 16 through 17, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit <coughs> upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Hundreds of years before this happened, prepared by God, but it happened suddenly. And God's people rejoiced, and God, not Hezekiah, got the glory for it. Spiritual renewal or revival in our nation begins with revival in our hearts. John Wesley said, Give me 100 men who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I will shake the world. If you and I want revival, we must commit ourselves completely to the Lord. We must do what 2 Corinthians 7 verses 1 says, by cleansing ourselves of all defilement of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And we must join together in corporate celebration of God's abundant grace that extends to all who will draw near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. And if God's spirit moves in a mighty way in our midst, he, we will rejoice over what he has prepared because the thing came about suddenly. Amen? King David, one of the most written about men of God in the Bible, a man with a heart after God, the Bible says he suffered from spiritual inconsistency. He was in a, a phase of his life where you can almost hear in his writings that there was this self-loathing, this, this God help me. And he cries out in Psalms 51.10 these words that I open with, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Steadfast means to be firm. It means to be stable. It means to be grounded. And, and when you step into Christ, he'll make your faith firm and your walk stable and your beliefs grounded. And so David cried out this prayer, God, create in me a clean heart. And when he had just committed adultery, he had just committed murder. You know, a man with, with a heart after God, how could he have been so inconsistent spiritually? And he cries out, God, would you help me? God, would you change me? God, create in me a clean heart. And it was interesting that God did a renewal in David's life in the middle of his brokenness. And maybe today some of you are going through some pain and you're going through some brokenness and all you see is hurt. All you see is suffering maybe even hopelessness, and when you look at your situation, but what, what you don't see is what God did in David. He, he can do in you today. He can renew you. And what you don't see is 
is God wants to renew your heart. God wants to take you into that broken state and make something new and something beautiful. If God can do it with David, he can do it with you. And here's, here's why. Psalms 57 verse 7, just six psalms later, here's David and he cries out, my heart is what? My heart is steadfast. It's firm, it's stable, it's grounded. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. He says it again. He says, I will sing and I will make music. And some of you need to know that you too can be steadfast. God can renew that steadfast spirit in you, grounded, firm, and stable. And this renewal process often happens in a broken state. It's a little bit like a renovation that you do in your home. Has anybody done a renovation in your bathroom or your kitchen or renovated your house? I know uh, the Jens is just got done with that one. <laughs> they know exactly what I'm talking about. But it can be painful and it can be ugly. What happens is you pull out all of the old stuff. You pull out your old cabinets, the old tile, <clears throat> and renovations, they always seem to cost more and take longer, and the contractor's never there when you want them, and you're stepping over all the drunk, and uh, there's drywall dust everywhere, and it's just a mess because you've got to pull the old out. And maybe God wants to pull your old nature out of you today. Maybe there are some things in your life, and part of the renewal process is ripping out some of that old stuff, like David did like King Hezekiah had to do. God, create in me a clean heart. But the problem is we get delusioned so often. And in the middle of that renovation process, we say, God, it's, it's too hard. Or, or God, it's just too messy. And, and you know, you come home and you've you got no plumbing and nothing works and you've got nowhere to cook and nowhere to shower and, and you want to quit and you want to give up. But something has to happen for the res- renovation process to to occur. And that's the old that has to come out. And I'm telling you, it's worth it. Because when you allow that renovation process, something spectacular can be made. And God wants to do something spectacular in your life. He wants to renew you. He wants to refresh you. He wants to make you something beautiful. And just like a new kitchen or a new bathroom, he wants to do something spectacular in your life. But you have to allow him to get rid of some things. So often our prayers in life are, God, would you change the circumstance? Would you change the situation? Who knows what I mean? I mean, God, would you change my boss? If, if you just gave me a better boss, everything would be all right. God, if you just changed my spouse, we'd be good too. <laughs> Don't say amen to that. <laughs> You'll be sleeping in the doghouse tonight. <laughs> I'm just playing. I love my wife. God, if you just change my kids. God, if you just help me land a deal. God, if you just bring in another check. God, if you could just pay this bill this week, everything would be fine Yet renewal starts internally. And King David cries out, God, renew my heart. God, would you change me? God, would you give me patience? God, would you break me? Would you change me? And God, our prayers are, could you change me from the inside out? Renovation, renewal starts on the inside. 
where we say, God, change my heart. I want to be like you. God, give me patience. Give me love. Give me grace. God, change me from the inside out. That's where renewal starts. It's in that broken state where we call on God and say, God, help me to be like you. God will renew your spirit and God will renew your strength. And when I think of having a break or getting refreshed, usually I'm thinking I want to go on a vacation or I want to go out of town. But have you ever gone on on a vacation to like Disney World or Universal Studios or another overpopulated place and there's so much hustle and bustle that you feel even more stressed out and there's no time to really refresh or renew yourself on vacation? Well, we did that a couple years ago, and uh, I don't feel like doing it again, but (laughs) you definitely have to make time for renewal, and so you come back more stressed out than you had left, and and, and how, how do we renew our strength? How do we refresh in this busy life that we live in? Well, Isaiah 40, verses 31 says this. It says, but those who what? who hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength. Listen to these words of Isaiah. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. But those who hope in the Lord, hope means to wait. It means to to linger. It means to look for. And I want to encourage you today. I don't know how wore out you're feeling, or if the start of 2018 is off to a good start for you, but God wants to renew and refresh you. You can run and not grow weary. You can walk and not faint. You can wait upon the Lord and grow stronger, the Bible says. Amen? When you are connected to the source, then he will renew you. It's not just a physical strength. God can renew your spiritual strength and you can rise above the winds of resistance that come your way when when you are renewed through the source, which is Jesus Christ. God wanted to teach this vital principle to his people, the Israelites, early on. And that's why he wrote this verse. The Israelites were actually entering into a 170-year period of trials and tribulations. When Isaiah wrote this verse, God was kind of setting them up. He was explaining to them that even in the hard times, God can renew your strength. And God wanted to teach these principles into his people in such a, a profound way. And I think we've lost the art of renewal. I want, and I want to explain that every important concept through God's word right now. In the Old Testament, when the children of Israel came out of 400 years of slavery with Pharaoh in Egypt, he fed them through manna. And so God wanted to teach them to be dependent on him. God wanted to teach them to stay connected to the life source, which is him. God wanted to teach them to stay connected daily. And so with manna, you can only get enough for one day's supply. And if you get more than at one day's supply, it would rot and it would turn into maggots overnight. I know, nasty. But uh, God wanted to instill into his people how vital it is to renew. And then on the last day, on the sixth day, you could actually get two days supply of manna because God created the Sabbath. And he gave us the Ten Commandments. And the fourth one is the best commandment of them all because it says, thou shalt have 
a day off. <laughs> That's the commandment. And so on, the, on that day, he says in Exodus 20, verses 8, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And that means set apart. You have six days each week for ordinary work, but the seventh day is the day of the Sabbath. A day of what? A day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And so God wanted to teach his people that we need to renew, to, to, to renew by waiting on him, by dedicating time, by resting. And now in today's day and age, we think that can be sometimes impossible. There's so much going on in our busy lives. The kids have sporting events on Sundays, and it's a day to catch up on everything before Monday comes, and then you do it all over again. When was the last time you just rested and you just lingered in God's presence? You just waited on the Lord. You just took time and dedicated time to him to be renewed, to be refreshed. And we, we think we can't because there's too much we have to do. But let me tell you the truth of God's word. His ways are always higher than our ways. Amen? In fact, Chick-fil-A, how many love Chick-fil-A? Oh, yeah. It's getting uh, spiritual in here. Chick-fil-A happens to be a company that operates with a Sabbath. And they have Sundays off. So you can't go there today. I'm sorry. Aw. The owner who started, uh, he started this when the company first began was ridiculed and he was mocked. The owner who had dedicated to instill one of his core values into, his, um, into the core values of his company by remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And today they generate more money per restaurant in six days than any of their competitors do in seven. The owner, Mr. Kathy, when asked about the Sabbath, he said these words. He says, I feel it's the best decision I've ever made. You see, it's Chick-fil-A... <clears throat> Um, has only 1,887 restaurants, primarily located in the southeast, and now they've started to come up to us, and thank the Lord for that. And none of its restaurants are open on Sundays. And for comparison, McDonald's has more than 14,000 locations in the U.S. Taco Bell has 5,921, and KFC has 4,370, most of which are open seven days a week. Yet Chick-fil-A generates more annual revenue than dozens of other chains that have more than twice as many locations, such as KFC, Pizza Hut, Domino's, and Arby's. So I have a graphic if you want to throw that up there. This graphic shows one of Chick-fil-A's top competitors, which is KFC. KFC has 4,370 U.S. stores, while Chick-fil-A has 1,887 U.S. stores. Each of KFC's um, stores makes $960,000 per year, while each Chick-fil-A store makes $3.1 million a year. That's total $4.2 billion for KFC and $5.8 billion for Chick-fil-A. And they operate with 52 days less and 57% less stores. 
They're still making $1.6 billion more a year than KFC with half the amount of stores and not operating on Sundays. Talk about God honoring his word. Amen? But here's the point. When we operate under God's guidelines and principles, what he brings to the table far outweighs what any one of us could do in our lifetime. What God can do in one day outweighs what we can do in a lifetime. And when we do it God's way, he can do far more in six days when we wait upon him, when we dedicate time to him, when we set time outside to be refreshed and to be renewed than we could ever do working all day and all night ourselves. And you see, the enemy knows this. And that's why he wants to keep us busy. That's why he wants to keep us distracted. And that's why he hates this message. Some of you, you need to hear this message today, that you need to set time aside to renew yourself in the Lord, to put on the clothing of Christ, the new nature, to spend time in the Word, to spend time worshiping, to spend time sitting. I'm not saying work harder. It's really quite the opposite. It's sit in His presence. It's to linger. It's to wait. It's to look to. It's to be refreshed. And God wants to refresh you today. And, and just like David God can renew you. God's spirit can do something that we cannot. If the musicians would come. Today, it's so easy to get disconnected from the source with our busy lives. Doing too much work for the church can even take you away from your relationship with God if you're not careful. Maybe today... Man, you've, you've been working hard and, and even on something good, maybe a ministry, maybe your family, but it's taking you away from God. And God is saying, come back to me. God is saying, I want to renew you. God is saying, I want to refresh you. God is saying, I am the source and I want to bless you. I want to give you so much more than you could ever dream, or that you could ever think or imagine. But if you are out there doing your own thing, disconnected, how can I connect with you? If you do not stay connected, you will come to a point where you are like, I'm done, man. I'm burnt out. I'm worn out. You will have nothing left to give. You will run on empty. But today... It's time you say enough is enough. And if you come to God in that broken state and you give God your attention, he will renew you and he will refresh you. How can you help others if, if you are depleted yourself? How can you add value to someone else if you are not filled up? If you are not connected to the source, how on earth are we supposed to guide and teach and lead and serve others like God has called us all to do? The critical thing in, in life is, is staying connected to the source where we can be renewed and we can become like him so that now I can add value to others so I have something to give. I can give a word of wisdom or a word of encouragement because I'm connected to the source. And, and for you, you, you might be burnt out. You might be tired. And I want you to hear this scripture today in Matthew 11, verse 28. It says, come to me, all of you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden and are overburdened, let me say that again. Come to me, 
I want you to think that God is saying that to you right here and right now. Come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and are burdened. And I will give you what? I will give you rest. I will ease and relieve and renew your souls. God is here and you are in this place for a reason to say, God, I want to come to you. And God is calling you. And as a church, we are busy doing so much. It's time that we say yes to God. I'm going to come to you. I realize that you are the source. I want to reconnect. I want to be renewed. I want to do it daily. If you would stand in this house this morning. Not that I've got to work harder, but God, I've got to be re-encouraged. I've got to be refreshed. I need to be rejuvenated. I need to be renovated. I need to be renewed in your presence. And we have to clean the junk out of our lives. We have to be connected to the life source. We have to pray and we have to be an encouragement to each other. Hallelujah. If you'd pray with me. God, I thank you for your word how real it is, how relevant it is. Those scriptures can speak to each one of us today, Lord. Lord, I need you, Jesus. I want us to mean business with God today. I I pray this has been a wake-up call for you like it has been for me. And if you realize you're not renewing like you should, that God is calling you back to spend time with him. God wants to refresh you. God wants to pour greater things into you. God wants us to get ready for the harvest. He wants to give us revival, but that only happens when we connect with him. When we spend time with him. When we just sit in his presence and linger. And you may be wore out. You may be spiritually inconsistent. You may be tired. And today is the day that we're going to say, God, I'm coming back. I want to be renewed. God will do something supernatural and something spiritual. He will respond to you as you step out in faith. And I guarantee that. So if that's you today, if you want to be refreshed and you want to be renewed and you realize the need for renewal, in your life. The altar is open this morning. If you would come and pray.